Inspired by the music of my friends, so ride with me as I let my soul teach myself a little lesson. That's why I started writing now, it's time to count my blessings. What's the real essence? What am I trying to say? What's the real meaning of this music that I play? Are you mad at me because it's been so long since I heard from you? What did I do wrong? In these days when my mind and my life changes fast, all I have is myself and my music that will last. All my see is a rhythm, all my feel is a bass, all my speak is a pains of the truth of the day, all my love is a rhyme, all my sing is real soul, all my love is a music, all my have, all my know, all my see is a rhythm, all my feel is a bass, all my speak is a pains of the truth of the day, all my love is a rhyme, all my sing is real soul, all my love is a music, all my have, all my know. All my people listen when you hear me sing. All my people listen, we're all equal, we're all one. All my people listen when you hear me sing. All my people listen, we're all equal. You can't depend on anybody when it comes to love. Can't wait for the day when my mind's made up. All I want is to be happy. All I need is to be free. All I wish is that you wanted to be with me. There is no substitution for the way you make me feel. There's nothing to explain and there's nothing to conceal. If it's real, then I know that you understand the pain. And I know that one day I can touch your face again. It's been so long since I've been happy. Been so long I can't deny. But I won't let myself sit alone. Oh my God. All I want is to be touched by somebody who I trust. All I wish is that I was in love, not in love. Is a rhythm, all my feel is a bass. All my speak is a pains of the truth of the day. All my love is a rhyme, all my sing is real soul. All my love is a music, all my house, all my know, all my see is a rhythm, all my feel is a bass. All my speak is a pains of the truth of the day. All my love is a rhyme, all my sing is real soul. All my love is a music, all my house, all my know. All my people listen when you hear me sing. All my people listen, we're all equal. Hello and welcome to another edition of The More the Merrier with Donna G. You just heard a track by Kia Kaderi and that is All My People. And just threw that on for fun, loved the beat. The focus of the show is the Toronto Fringe Festival, which runs until July 16th at various venues. The website, www.fringetoronto.com. And you're going to be hearing from 10 shows. All have approximately five minutes to tell you why you should go and see their shows. The Fringe is quite affordable and it wouldn't be summer in the city without this little indie theater festival from which some amazing plays have arisen. Ever heard of The Kink in My Hair? Well, it started out at the Toronto Fringe. So why waste any more time? Let's get started with these 10 shows. So joining me now for the five-minute Fringe Showcase is Michael Ross Albert to talk about Good Old Days. Uh, sounds like a wonderful title, but Michael, tell me, what's your show about? Uh, well, my show, uh, it tries to dramatize this feeling that I've been experiencing lately, that I think a lot of people have been experiencing lately, that the world just feels a bit worse <laughs> than it used to. Um, and so uh, the play takes a look at our, the way we romanticize and create nostalgic memories for a past that may not have been as good as the present moment or as good as we remember it. Um, so it follows two former roommates who uh, their relationship over the course of the pandemic strained past the breaking point. Um, the two of them are reunited on a very 
strange, bizarre, maybe dangerous feeling summer night. And the two of them proceed to chase each other through the city. Um, and they this their their um, reunion triggers a kind of surreal, dreamy, funny, somewhat violent <laughs> uh, encounter uh, and adventure through um, this this urban dreamscape. Michael, when did you write this? Did you write this specifically for The Fringe or was this something you had written before? I did. Um, Cass Van Wyck, who is co-producing the play and is performing in it, got a slot in the festival. Um, and she and I have collaborated on two previous Fringe productions, um, The Huns and Anywhere. Um, and so following the success of those shows and her acceptance into the lottery this year, we try, we sat down to kind of brainstorm what type of project we were interested in exploring this time around. And I was really excited by the opportunity to write something quickly that addresses or, or tries to theatricalize the moment we're living in right now. And where is your performance taking place? Where is the good old days taking place? Good old days will be at Theater Pasmerai's main space. Okay. And um, you have um, you have a director, Jill Harper. Yes. So how, how did she become attached to the project? Jill is um, a, a director who works quite a bit in Toronto's indie theatre community. Uh, her work is something that I have admired for like, you know, a decade now. I'm, I've always wanted to collaborate with her. And um, so I asked if she would be a part of this project before I had written a word of it. And her insights and input throughout the process have really helped craft the piece into what it is today. So is she kind of like your dramaturge or more like an, an influence? Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I tend to work with directors who have a really good dramaturgy skills. Um, and so, yeah, she did work in collaboration with me in a dramaturgical capacity. And it was... Um, incredibly useful. We also brought on um, our design team fairly early. Um, there's original music being composed by Zach Parsons, as well as a set and projection and costume design by Denise Karn. And so having those two designers involved in um, dramaturgical conversations, really from the time uh, the earliest drafts of the play were completed has helped craft what the play looks like and how it exists in production. Okay. So the play is the good old days. Sounds like you've got a, a whole team together for this fringe play. That's only 60 minutes, but it sounds wonderful. So I'm sure people will be looking forward to seeing that among the other shows that are featured during this hour. So Michael Ross Albert, uh, and there's your time is up. So thank you so much for joining me to talk about the good old days. And up next, we have Andrew Sook and Andrew, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Uh, I appreciate the effort. It's Siok, but really close. Siok. Okay. Yes. Andrew, just the way it looks. Andrew Siok. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get your timer started for uh for 10 minutes. I'm sorry, not 10 minutes. <laughs> um for five minutes. Andrew Siok, now that I know how to pronounce your name, tell <laughs> yes. what The Man with the Golden Heart um, is about and why people should go and see it at the Toronto Fringe. So uh, the show is about uh, a man who is born with a golden heart. Um, it's in the the world of uh, Benjamin Button um, mysticism. 
um, where he's born with a golden heart and he can help people who are hurt and struggling. And he, uh, he travels through Canada's past through these three historic moments, um, the immigrant Chinese railway workers' contribution in building the Canadian Pacific Railway in 1880s. Um, there was conscription in World War One in Canada uh, and the great stock market crash of 1929. So as he's doing all of that, each time he helps someone, he uh, metaphorically gives them a piece of his heart. So it kills him a little each time he helps. So he struggles with the question and the darkness of the world of um, what if healing the world costs you everything? And it might sound dark and bleak, but it's actually a show about hope and every everything has a happy ending. And it's about it's about overcoming that darkness and and going toward the light, if you will. Well, see, and, that's what that's what yeah. I like. I like hmm. plays that um, tell me a story um, that I need to know but also has that little bit of humor. So um, I don't leave, you know, heading for my bed and curling up in a ball for three days. So right. this sounds, uh, this sounds wonderful. So how much research uh, did you have to do in terms of the historic past to, to write this, this play, this musical? Uh, yeah, most of the research, a lot, the most of the research was done just for accuracy sake just uh, what were everyday people going through at this time. So um, there weren't a lot of records from the 1880s by immigrant Chinese railway workers. So whatever I could get my hands on, books, journals, um, interviews with grandchildren, things like that, I, I, I read as much as I could. Um, same with uh, World War One journal entries. I'd written, uh, this is a musical, and I had written another musical about war, so I'd already had a lot of that information handy. Um, but yeah, just just what people were going through, what what happened to people during the stock market crash, and these moments that really were world changing, and um, how this one man could kind of come in and do what he could to help. You have quite a large cast. I do. Um, that must have taken a lot of uh, rehearsal time, casting time. Um, so how much time did you spend on this before um, before the the fringe? It was a process. It was a giant puzzle, uh, incredible puzzle, because there's actually during the stock market crash storyline, for example, there's a couple that basically loses everything in the crash and the relationship falls apart because of it. And uh, the man with the golden heart gives them the opportunity to fix that. And so there is an older couple and there's the younger version of that couple. So casting was also tricky to try and match those two actors so that they look somewhat similar. Uh, and so in terms of casting, it was it was a, a long, long process, one step at a time. But yeah, we have a fantastic, we have Bruce Dow, who's a Broadway star, and um, Charlotte Moore, Canadian theatre legend. Tess Bender just won Dora for Best Actor this year. Uh, George Crissa, Scott Bowden, um, Rosin Bugai. We have so many people in our cast that uh, Sarah Horseman, Tristan Hernandez, uh, who bring this story to life and give it such heart. And you're in it. And I'm in it too. Yeah. I try are not you to. The, are to you? Talk. The, are you the? Me oh, okay. So we won't get into your. No, 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 no. I, I'm happy. I'm happy to talk about it. Bruce Dow is the man with the golden heart. Uh, I, I'm the one. Uh, I'm the. Chinese railway worker husband role. Okay. Um, right. But I'm also directing it and I wrote it. So I don't, I don't want like to go on interviews and be like, I am also in it. Come see me. <laughs> now, where is this performance happening during the fringe? So it's at Jean Leman Hall, which is at Bloor and Spadina. That's where Tafel Music plays all of their concerts. And uh, it's a fantastically gorgeous venue. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And your time is up. Done. <laughs> and that's Andrew Siak with The Man with the Golden Heart. Now, joining me next is uh, Stephanie Zeit. Zeit, yeah, you got it right. Yeah. No one gets it right. Good job. Stephanie Zeit <laughs> is joining me um, to talk about the bad mitzvah. Yes. And uh, let's get the time started for you. Just give mm -hmm. me one second to do that for you. And let's go. The bad mitzvah. Uh, 
obviously doesn't sound like this girl is going to have a good time. <laughs> so tell she has me. a good time in some ways, not a good time in some other ways. So tell us why people should go and see the bad mitzvah. Well, I'll give you a rundown of the plot first. So the bad mitzvah is about this 12 turning 13 year old girl named Abigail on the day of her coming of age event, her bat mitzvah at her synagogue. And she is convinced that she has the perfect speech that's going to like allow her to transcend childhood and become an adult today because that's what you're told like when you're having a bat mitzvah ceremony it's like okay this is when you become an adult and she's really excited to make that happen but like in the first five minutes of the play the rabbi is like your speech is really not very good um so <laughs> you know and it's she's not the nicest rabbi in the world but anyway but um and then Abigail goes through this journey of just interacting with women who already exist in her life and all these other girls and women she meets along the way as she sort of is like, how do I, how do I become, like, how do I become a person? And, um, and it's sort of interesting and tender and sad and hilarious where she ends up. And it, it's really just a story about growing up and, and a reflection on how as you're growing up, you are just trying to understand anything. You're pulling threads, you're pulling what might be the answer from any direction possible, but you don't really know what path to take. And the results of that are hilarious because you make hilarious mistakes, but also dangerous and, and tender. And um, this place sort of combines all of that into one. Now, I just want you to clarify for people who don't know what a bat, B-A-T, mitzvah yeah. is. Can you tell us more, please? Yeah, so... Uh, in Judaism, and again, I like interestingly, I'm Jewish, but only my dad is Jewish, and you're only supposed to be Jewish if you're at least your mom is Jewish. So we're yeah, like that's reformed. what I thought. Yeah, yeah, and that's a part of the play. Like she talks about that, and her relationship with her mom is a big part of it. Um, but sorry, a bat mitzvah is a is a coming of age ceremony. Like you could compare it to a quinceanera or a confirmation or something like that. Um, in Judaism, you uh, study for a few years, you get assigned a passage from the Torah that you're supposed to read in Hebrew, and then you write a speech reflecting on that passage. And it's a moment where you sort of come of age within the congregation. Um, and they're common for people who are more religious and for people who are not that religious at all. Um, it's interesting because I learned through this process that it used to be only bar mitzvahs, like only boys would have this coming of age ceremony. And in more uh, traditional or, or orthodox communities, I think still only boys have it. Um, but in the last, like, I don't know, 60 to 80 years or something, they started doing bat mitzvahs as well. So girls can have them. And now there's also like gender neutral, I think, b'nai mitzvahs and stuff. Yeah, I think even, you know, in on television and movies, I think people are used to the term bar mitzvah, but mm -hmm. not um, bat mitzvah. So yeah. and now we have a bad mitzvah um, <laughs> with this poor girl. Now you wrote this um, with a couple of other people. Tell me yes. about that. Yeah, so I like it's totally fiction. Um, but there were like, th there, there was a heart of this play that I really wanted to communicate. But I'm first and foremost an actor. And I reached out to the people in my life who I feel are brilliant. And I and I brought them a draft of the script. Um, so those people were uh, Brad Gira, who wrote last year's fringe hit, The Boy Who Cried. Um, Alam Hassan, who's a who's a close colleague of mine. And um, William Dow, who directed Boy Who Cried last year and also just graduated from um, uh, the Soul Pepper Academy in 2022. He's great. And uh, me and Alam and Brad worked together on the writing. Often I would write something and bring it in and then they, we would all pick it apart together and add jokes. Brad is so funny. Like the jokes in here are so zany and insane and, and so much of that is him. And then Will was listening being a, a dramaturg for us the whole time saying I need more of this I'm not understanding this or this let's bump up this joke in this way so it, it really like it started from this story I wanted to share or this this heart or this idea but the writing became so collaborative and where is this performance taking place it's taking place at factory theater studio and is this your first time with the fringe Yourself? No, uh, no. Well, I was in um, Will Dow's and Brad Gear's The Boy Who Cried last year. 
Um, and then, you know what, I graduated university into the lovely pandemic. So we did two um, virtual fringes before that. But last year was the first big real one. And then this year is the first one that's like my, my play or my story. Okay, and we're done. All right. <laughs> Five minutes is up. Three such different um, performances. And I'm getting excited now, you know, um, I'm looking forward to seeing some uh, plays at the Fringe. Uh, my schedule hadn't allowed me to, but I'm looking forward to all of this. And thank you so much, guys, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a thank good you. afternoon. You too. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Joining me now is Kate Levatt, and she's going to be talking about a little bit pregnant. <laughs> because <laughs> how, how could anybody be a little bit pregnant? Hi, Donna. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, a little bit pregnant is just that. We deal with a lot of different subject matters revolving around pregnancy, but our tagline to get our listeners involved is sex, drugs, rock and roll, and a baby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have a great cast and crew. We actually came from Montreal. And we prepared. have you been to has your company been to Toronto before for the fringe? No, this is our first time. We did Montreal Fringe last year and we sold to sold out audiences. And I was nominated for most prize most promising emerging artist. So we had a great run last year, and we're hoping to have another one this year. Congratulations. I know it's not easy sometimes for out-of-town uh fringers to come to toronto so i'm happy to give you the time to tell people why they should come and see your show oh thank you so much i appreciate it well um you know in this climate where reproductive rights are in question and people's bodies are being policed we really find that a little bit pregnant gives a voice it gives a voice to these conversations and a space for them and uh, we've been nominated as one of the 10 top 10 women led shows to see from She Does the City. And also Toronto Guardian listed us as one of the top shows to see as well. And uh, it's pretty funny because as I said, our catchphrase is sex, drugs, rock and roll and a baby. We ended up on a porn site because of that. Our promo video. <laughs> hey, I hope they come. <laughs> exactly. Hey, all publicity is good publicity, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, get those dollars and to come and support you. Exactly. Exactly. And we have a wonderful director, Rana Leo. And uh, she worked with us last year and she's just amazing. And our stage manager, Simon Lazat, also worked with us last year. And uh, our cast is Julia Pye, Alexander Cruz, Casey Marie Ecker, and Aidan Coutreau. And we're just such a happy team to be here in Toronto to see you guys. So you're all part of uh, Paper Dog Press? Yeah, exactly. And how long have you been around? Um, so Paper Dog Press is also a small publishing house that I run. So that's been around for about seven years or so. And in the theater land, we've been around since last year. Okay. I'll have to check out uh, the publishing as, oh, as, yes. as well. Please do. So, um, <laughs> a little bit pregnant. Um, 60 minute show. Can you take us a little bit through it without giving us giving too much away? Sure. Well, it's it follows. It's based on two couples, one who gets pregnant by accident and one who's desperate to get pregnant. And we sort of follow their stories and all of the different um, all of the different things that arrive around them. So we deal with subjects like abortion and miscarriage and IVF and, you know, infertility, not infertility. <laughs> That's the opposite of that. <laughs> In, In vitro. vitro. Thank you for infertility. Um, and uh, it's a comedy dramedy. So the first half, you're sort of laughing your way through it. And the second half, you're sitting on the edge of your seat being like, Oh, my God, how are they going to deal with this? Yeah, these are big issues. And as you mm -hmm. said, you know, um, there's a certain section of the population whose bodies are being um, policed. So these topics are very, um, you know, they're at the forefront, and they need to be talked about. And I'm so glad that the issue of miscarriage is getting, um, you know, public attention because Absolutely. so many women, so many couples have suffered through this in the past in silence. Well, that's it. And I mean, this is based on a true story. It's actually my story as a playwright. And, you know, it, 
it is, it's something that people keep to themselves. They don't share. And I wanted to make it public and let people know like this does happen and it's okay. And it's okay to mourn your loss and to feel things for it. And you don't have to feel guilty about it because it's just mother nature doing their thing. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up actually. So um, it wasn't too personal to, to share. Uh, it's a little bit personal to share. Yeah, definitely. But it's, I mean, as a playwright, the thrill of having someone read your words is, I, I was amazed with the first time that we even held auditions, just listening to people like read my words aloud. I was just like, oh my gosh, they're coming to life. So I'm really happy to, uh, to share the story with everybody, to share a little bit pregnant with, with our public. And our time is up. So just tell people where they can see the show. Yes, A Little Bit Pregnant is at Tarragon Theatre, which is 30 Bridgman Avenue in Toronto, obviously. And we would love to see you there. Okay. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you, Donna. Really appreciate this. And I've got the group from White Collars joining me to talk about their show at the Toronto Fringe. And I've got Maya Chichinska. I've got Braden Banks and Arun. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So Maya Chichinska, now that I know how to say your name, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> why, should, why should people come and see your show out of the hundreds at the Fringe Festival this year? Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, we're, we're a, it's a dynamic show. It's super fun and very silly. And it's for anyone who kind of lives or breathes or knows the corporate world, the nine to five world. This is sort of a, a cathartic release of all things that happen within the, the corporate world and, and how sort of friendship kind of comes through in all of it. Now, Arun, you wrote the play. You wrote the performance. Uh Actually, we uh, we all wrote it to uh, together. Um, we went through a process with our our director Ken Hall, where uh, we kind of used um, some of the principles found in like clown and and improv to help build the show together. And Brayden, yes. Uh, what was your input? What was it's something that you said that the group just went, "Yeah, we got to do that." Yeah, so I mean, um, when we found out we got into the fringe uh, back in December, you know, we, we kind of agreed that because we, uh, not only are we, are we uh, friends, we've been doing comedy together for almost 10 years now, um, we also work together, actually, um, you know, uh, today is sort of a, a day out of our, our, our actual job <laughs> where we work on uh, marketing together. So we felt like uh, that was a perfect cross-section of uh, our experience as artists and as friends. So that, that was kind of the theme. And, and, you know, as Arun said, we went through an iterative process, but that was always kind of at the heart of it, right? And so we came up with this uh, Bongle brand, right? Which is kind of the, the fictional company that uh, represents us. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, I mean, uh, yeah. So, I, I so Maya, this is set in at a fictional um, conference. Yes. So without giving too much away, can you tell me something that happens at the conference? Because I'm sure things go wrong. Yeah, I, so absolutely. I think, you know, at every conference, there's there's kind of like keynote speakers, there's seminars and workshops. And uh, we, we definitely do have a, a workshop to help our attendees with networking and understanding like what are some of those like good basic principles and etiquette when introducing yourself and, and networking <laughs> and and yes it, it doesn't go according to plan <laughs> so um you mentioned that you've all been uh you actually all actually have day jobs so mm -hmm. uh Brayden um yeah. when did you all get together to work on this uh, well, it's been a lot of, um, you know, evenings and weekends, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, we, we do work nine to five. So, you know, we've uh, built the show kind of in and around our schedules and our, our employers and uh, those who work with us have been very supportive. We want to, you know, thank them, especially uh, uh, of kind of giving us the freedom to, uh, to work on the show um, while still, you know, getting our, getting our work done. Yeah. So, well, that was going to be my next question. Arun, did, did anybody at your workplace say, don't put us in it? 
Actually, the opposite. Our uh, so <laughs> Maya and I uh, work at an uh, at an agency together, and our our third sort of partner is uh, is constantly asking, like, "Hey, am I in the show? Is like, am, am I mentioned in the show?" And he's going to be coming <laughs> to one of the shows next week. But uh, but yeah, we we actually pull from a lot of shared experiences we've had at different offices. We all work together, and so uh, some things that kind of happen in the office find a version of itself in the show um but it's what makes this whole process so much fun just because we were able to gleam off of a lot of awkward moments that happened and turn it into uh turn it into the show yeah and that's a good point Arun, because i think something that we kind of forget to mention the stories that are that are told throughout the show the things that are referenced throughout the show are all things that have legitimately happened to us as a result of like working in this corporate world Ah, okay. So, so that's definitely going to be interesting to the audience for the audience to know that, you know, this is based in reality. So mm -hmm. where did you get your director? So Ken Hall and I actually worked together on a previous fringe production almost nine years ago, which is wild for me to think about. But, you know, when we found out that we got into fringe, uh, you know, you're kind of talking about different directors, different directions to go in. And we met with Ken and I think he just sort of opened our eyes to this idea of fringe as an opportunity to really explore and kind of push boundaries of, of what a, a live show can look like. And I think that all kind of resonated with us. And, and that's how we kind of started working together. Okay. And that's your timer. But before I, I just want to know, Please let the audience know where your play is taking place. Uh, so it's at the uh, it's at the Factory Theater at uh, 125 Bathurst Street in the in the studio space. Thank you so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, based on real stories, so yeah. that is definitely um, a clincher in terms of uh, getting people to to come out. Curated by the people for the people. CIUT 89.5 FM is the sound of your city. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The More the Merrier with Donna G. And this is my five minute fringe special. Well, five minutes, give or take a few uh, minutes and seconds. And the focus is the Toronto Fringe. And the Fringe runs until July 16th. More information about the Toronto Fringe, you can go to fringetoronto.com fringetoronto.com but each show that's featured on the show today have a very short period of time to tell you why you should go and see their show so on with it more to cosmos a delusional musical at the al green theater for toronto fringe festival july 6th to 16th book richard kemick music lindsey walker starring anton gillis edelman and directed by cody porter hi i'm cody porter director of Amorta cosmos it's always exciting tackling new work but Amorta cosmos is truly exceptional Working with the miraculous Anton Gillis Edelman to take on this controversial figure as he is transformed by avarice and power, as well as the many vibrant and dynamic characters he inhabits in the world, has been a revelation. Paired with a minimalist, vaudeville-inspired design aesthetic, Richard's elevated and evocative language, and the original earwarming orchestration and lyrics of Lindsay Walker, makes this one of the most full-fledged shows I have had the pleasure of mounting in my 20-year Fringe experience. Every day's a struggle with the world. Not to own it, but just to know it. Feel it pull you in unto its smudged chambers to the place souls are assigned. Oh, hold on to your legacy. Control it as long as you can. My family to speak genetically was want to dine young until we learn to live forever. You say now how can I stay alive? The answer is easy my friend. I towered two parts dark to each part light. My memory will stay alive. My legacy will never end. Hi, my name is Richard Kemick. I am the playwright. 
Amor de Cosmos, a delusional musical, centers around British Columbia's second premier, a man who, in the mid-19th century, changed his name from William Smith to Amor de Cosmos in order to better commune with the universe. As premier, de Cosmos brought BC into confederation with Canada, but the more power he obtained, the more unhinged he became. The play is not only a new work, but is also a one-person musical in which our star plays 14 characters. It also features original and live music. Where you've been born there matters. Where you're from's what counts. I will be unforgettable, unforgettable, unforgettable. I feel this thought that all the wilderness does sprout from one lone seed. Unforgettable. Hello, my name is Lindsay Walker. I am the composer, lyricist, and musical director for Amor de Cosmos, a delusional musical. The music for Amor de Cosmos is contemporary in sound with heartfelt lyrics. The single piano accompaniment was chosen for its ability to help showcase the vocal talent of our actor embodying Amor de Cosmos. The musical numbers hit all the notes, everything from a soft ballad to a toe-tapping duet that will leave you amazed at what one actor can do on stage. These songs are catchy, and you will be sure to find yourself humming their tune weeks after seeing the show. Amor de Cosmos? What a moniker! Your mother must have hated you! Perhaps, but oh how she loved the universe. Unforgettable. Hi, my name is Rainbow Kester, and I play Finch in the play Corporate Finch. And my name is Matthew Ivanoff. I play Jacob in Corporate Finch, and I also did the sound design for that show. We are playing right now in Toronto as a part of Toronto Fringe 2023 and are really excited to continue this run until the 16th. Corporate Finch is written and directed by Taylor Marie Graham, and we're stage managed by Lindsay McDonald. We had wonderful fight direction by Jen D, and our lighting design was done by David DeGroo. Matthew and I both graduated from the University of Guelph's theater arts program, but in our second last semester there, one of our professors told us that we should audition for this new one-act horror that was going to be put on. We were both working together on a show. Um, at that time, I was working in production, doing the sound, and Rainbow was working as a performer. But we had acted together before in classes and in little stints, but really wanted this opportunity to get to work together as performers in a longer show. So when Matthew and I both auditioned, um, we were really excited a few weeks later to find out that we were gonna be able to work together. So this play, Corporate Finch, it kind of starts when two, two teenagers break into this abandoned factory. There's something familiar between them, but unsteady and uncomfortable because they haven't seen each other in a year after something has happened between them that has altered their relationship. Um, and now they're kind of in the need to navigate the relationship. This year alone, um, away from each other, it kind of let them both live with their history differently and has led them to these different conclusions about what they need to kind of rekindle their relationship. It's a play about revenge and truth and trust, um, love, shame, impulse. It's a lot about what happens to us when we deny ourselves of believing that we know the truth and where that boundary of love ends and kind of the danger of obsession begins. And that's kind of what drew us to the play. It's kind of a psychological horror. It's a thriller. It's really unsteady. I personally love a psychological horror. I like the idea of exploring the bits of ourselves that make us scary. These moments when we're afraid of ourselves and what we might be capable of. Mm -hmm. Horror has kind of been stereotyped into this, this own category, but... This play, Corporate Finch, is rooted, rooted around reality and kind of shows just the terrifying traits that we each have. But society has made these traits of uncertainty, of shame, of guilt feel kind of stigmatized and irregular. But at the core, it's about the relationship between these two people and how we kind of balance those larger ideas within this framework of two people alone in this factory at night together. 
It's about what we need and what we want and how our minds can betray us into believing fantasies, no matter how hard that we try to navigate away from them. We got to open this show two days ago, and we're very fortunate enough to have some really wonderful people say some very kind things about the show (laughs) that we wanted to kind of bring up. Yeah. Judith Thompson, which we were lucky enough to be taught by at University of Guelph, said, Taylor Marie Graham is like no other playwright. She has truly found a voice. Corporate Finch is real, magical, troubling in the best way, and deeply theatrical. Both Matthew and Rainbow have long careers ahead of them (laughs) as theater makers in Canada. (laughs) Kelly Bedard from My Entertainment World said that Corporate Finch was the highlight of our first day at Fringe, ours too. (laughs) <laughs> it's as moving as it is scary, anchored by two excellent performances, Rainbow Caster and Matthew Ivanoff, and Graham's direction is subtle but evocative. The lights and sound are a perfect example of creative world-building within the limitations of a festival setting. And Nicole Smith said, Corporate Finch is really magical and guttural and fairy tale esque but grounded in so much reality and rooted in place. And I just loved every second. This is, is a what show. She said. <laughs> <laughs> it's a show that we're both really proud of, um, and we hope you get to see it. We are in Passamari Backspace, which is just the perfect theater for this kind of show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's intimate and isolating at the same time. We look forward to ex- performing in there every day. Okay, hope to see you soon. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Hello, CIUT listeners and Fringe Festival enthusiasts. This is Maria Sergianis, and I'm here to tell you why you should come and see Hymns and Hearse at this year's Toronto Fringe Festival. The co-owners of the Hymns and Hearse funeral home have made a very bad financial investment, but luckily they have an expensive funeral booked that will save their business. But what happens when it's the day before that very important funeral and they find out that 92-year-old Mrs. Johnson is not dead. Will they gently guide her over to the other side? How does one make that decision? Or will they call Mrs. Johnson's family to tell them that she is still alive and risk losing everything? Hymns and Hearse gives the audience a glimpse into the inner workings of a day in the life of a struggling funeral home and to the hilarious and absurd extremes the co-owners will go to to survive financially. Now, this is a delightfully dark comedy that puts the fun back in funeral. Hymns and Hearse features Trisha Williams, who is also our writer, and myself, Maria Sergianis. And uh, we were both in last year's The Sororan Book Club, which was in the Fringe. We received four ends from Now Magazine and the Fringe Festival's patron's pick. We also have the fabulous Justin Hay, who wrote and starred in My Own Private Shakespeare, which received the Broadway World Toronto Best Play and Best Director Awards in 2022. And the play is directed by Carrie McDonald, who's co-founder of the New Ideas Festival at the Alumni Theatre, and stage managed by Kaylee Hay Valley. Now, this is the first full-length play written by Trisha. In addition to doing double duty as producer and playwright, Trisha, who's also acting in our play, will be using her cane on stage. And it was important for her to show the audience that an actor can be both disabled and a love interest, which is rarely seen on Toronto stages. The play also touches on themes of bucket lists, personal fears, and losing a loved one. Now the spark for Hymns and Hearse came from our very own Justin, who told Trisha the title. That's it, just the title, Hymns and Hearse. And then Trisha just ran with it and wrote this gem of a play. We really hope you come to check us out. We're at the Tarragon Theatre Extra Space on 30 Bridgman Avenue. We're playing at various dates and times all through the Fringe Festival between July 5th and July 16th. Joining me from this year's Fringe is another company, uh, Shanice Stanislaus, and their play is Mail Ordered. And the caption is, do you want to buy me? Shanice, what's going on? 
Yes, we are an international show. The show is by me. I'm a Singaporean artist and clown, and this show is a collaborative show with a team that is from Calgary and Singapore. And we are an interactive comedy show about a poor village girl from Southeast Asia arriving in Canada looking for a husband to buy her. For one hundred thousand U.S. dollars, and this show really explores、uh, what it means to come to a new country、uh, about the mail order bribe business, about human trafficking. But it's kind of wrapped up in this clown comedy show that leaves people thinking and laughing about, yeah, just this girl Lila, who is a character clown and comes to find a man to buy her. So this show is super interactive. Uh, our audiences will be、uh, our clients for Lila, and she's trying to find、uh, people to buy her with like doing dance moves, giraffe jokes, and showing off her domestic skills. You said it's interactive. So,、yeah. in what way is it interactive?、Uh, people talk back, or are they be using their cell phones, or how is it interactive? Yeah,、um, Lila will ask our audiences a series of tasks to help her with, like for example, participating in a lucky ritual to help her change her luck for some good luck, or helping her,、um, you know, do certain tasks like take a photo or you know take a photo with her.、Um, the Endings of the show also depend on how audience votes on how she should go ahead with the show without giving it away.、Um, so they actually the audiences will choose how the show ends, which is super fun because every show then becomes different and unique. And、um, Lila starts off the show actually selling herself to the men in the audience. So if you're a guy, oh, comes, okay, yeah. So she actually, you know, inquires about their jobs, you know, how much they earn, kind of finding the right buyer. And she's always like telling her while telling her story. She is also like trying to see who is the right match for her. Now、uh, you mentioned, you know, human trafficking because that's a serious、um, issue. So,、um, is that the reason you decided to create this performance? Yeah, I worked for ten years in Cambodia with a group of girls who、um, were, I think, vulnerable to these situations, and、um, it's a big, huge mail order bride industry from where I come from.、Um, poor girls, you know, who are sold.、Um, so I think after ten years of just kind of seeing this and. Kind of wanting to put their voice on the stage, and and also like what it means to come to Canada, right? Where you know you can say whatever you want. There's feminism, and just kind of exploring that like clash of cultures almost, or、um, this discovery of a new world.、Uh, yeah, and it made me want to write this work.、Uh, I didn't intentionally do it. I got a residency in Calgary last year. Where I got a chance to work with a Canadian director and create whatever I want. So he told me one day to, you know, create a、uh, come in with a costume. I had not flown in with any costume for the residency, so I took the most extravagant costume, which was a wedding dress, put it on, and started improvising. And it felt like those ten years of working with these girls and their stories, like Lila, the mail order bride, came out.、Um, and from there, we started devising. And we actually did the show in Calgary in 2022、um, to a small community、uh, there at a festival, and then we took it to the Vancouver Fringe last year, and then we won an award for the show,、um, which is the Pick Up the Fringe, and it got nominated for the Artistic Frisk Award. So that made me think, oh, I guess more people want to hear Lila's story, and I want to really share that with more audiences in Canada. So we're actually on like a big fringe tour where Toronto is our first stop, and then we go to Winnipeg, Calgary, and then Edmonton. So tell people where Mail Ordered will be、uh, on stage. What theater are you at? We are at the Aki Studio,、um, which is on、uh, the Daniel Spectrum Theater.
and we hope to have as many people kind of watch this international show collaboration and just have a good time because it's a comedy show. I promise a lot of laughter and then also maybe some moments where you think about girls in poor countries that go through these situations. Thank you so much, Shanice, for joining me. Thank you, Donna. Joining me now is Noam Tomachoff. And his performance is called Our Little Secret, the 23andMe musical. Now, welcome, Noam, to CIUT, to the more the merrier. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. And Noam, who are you that your show is almost sold out? Uh, I'm just me, honestly. Uh, I grew up in Toronto doing theater at high school at the Randolph Young Company. Um, and then I went to theater school in New York. Uh, worked as an actor and as a filmmaker in New York and L.A., but now I'm back uh, at the Fringe Festival that I always loved going to as a kid with my own personal true story that just happened over this past year. Do you have a lot of friends who have bought tickets or how do you um, explain the instant success of your show? Well, we... Uh, the creative team, uh, we all went to high school together in the pretty closely knit Jewish community here in Toronto. Um, so when we put this show together, because it's a personal true story that involves my family, uh, we we're able to um, tell this story to a lot of our existing friends and community here. And so spread the word that way. Um, but also because this story involves genetic testing and sort of family revelations, uh, we we're lucky to get a bit of interest uh, of, on the human story itself uh, beyond just the, the actual existence of the play. Okay. So start with the story. Um, tell yeah. me about this genetic testing and uh, your truth. Right. So last summer, oh, I'm an only child. Um, and last summer I was 31 years old, still am for another month. And I happened to order a 23andMe DNA test uh, on a lark, mostly because it was on sale. <laughs> and when <laughs> I told my parents this, they got really stressed. And I had no idea why. I had I was like, who cares? They sort of had an issue with me doing it. And I truly had no explanation for it. And until the next morning, when they sat me down and told me that, my father who raised me is not my biological father. Oh my gosh. And they didn't want me to find out from the test. So they had to tell me, although they never wanted to tell me they were going to keep it a secret forever. How did you You're, you were 31. You said, yeah. And you're finding this out now. That must've been devastating. Well, <laughs> it was, it was before I could assign positivity or negative negativity to it it was just an overwhelming shock in general in general because i had no suspicion like i never thought oh i don't really look like my dad or anything like that i i thought we looked alike i thought everything was normal and totally checked out so it was just pure shock um and and perhaps devastation would have come had the story ended there but after I did the 23andMe test, I got a deluge of information about who the donor was and this new extended family that I now have. <laughs> through, through <laughs> okay, and, and that must have been the shock for your parents. <laughs> yes, they had no idea. I got like they didn't know anything about this donor who they used um, because, of course, it was anonymous and only through the recent years and the genetic testing could could these types of revelations happen. And actually, I've been getting a ton of messages. And even somebody last night at the show came because they're also donor conceived. Uh, th there's this international community of people who are discovering that they have these sort of family secrets. And, and that's been a big part of the uh, the feedback so far, too. Wow. Talk about, you know, truth being stranger than fiction. Um, that is fantastic. So how has it been so far at the Fringe? This is a musical and it's a solo show. So it's it's an hour, but it's quite a bit of endurance. Um, but it was really, really fun. I mean, I'd been 
doing a few dress rehearsals and sort of and running the show myself but doing it in front of an audience was uh fantastic <laughs> it was really fun and also my parents were there so and they they knew nothing about the show so this is all a big surprise for them too um you're gonna have more people coming up to you saying hey you know this is my story and uh, your parents are going to become famous uh whether they like it or not. Um, yeah. So where can people um, get tickets, these hot tickets? Where can people, not where can people get these hot tickets, but where is uh, the show playing? The show is playing at the Alumni Theater, which is also one of the fringe hubs, in addition to the one on uh, Brunswick. Um, yeah, we, we have seven shows, just like all the other medium venue shows, playing for the next week until Saturday. Okay. Uh, Noam, thank you for joining me and telling me about this extraordinary play and uh, introducing yourself to my audience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. As usual, you can reach me at TMTM with Donna G on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Or you can go to www.ciut.fm. Click on Sundays, 1 to 2 p.m. My contact details are there, as well as the link to visit my podcast in case you miss any shows. Tell your friends all about it, please. And leaving you now with LAL, L-A-L, and One Way. See you next week. And don't forget to check out the shows at the Toronto Fringe, fringetoronto.com. Get down